0: From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we'll be learning from our investment advisor representatives, Adam Morse and Janet Griffith. It is tax season, and we're sure you have taxes on your mind, and that is why today we're going to briefly overview how taxes are assessed on investments. Of course, we must stress that taxes can be complicated and unique for each individual, but this discussion is intended to give you a better understanding so you can make better investment decisions. Today, we'll answer questions such as, how should we approach the idea of taxes? What are the main types of taxes in play when we start investing? Find out these answers and more in another knowledge-packed episode of Keep It Simple. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Keep It Simple, each and every week. You can email us with any episode suggestions or questions at podcast at assetbuilder.com. And you can find the show notes for every episode at assetbuilder.com slash podcast. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. How are you guys doing today? I haven't talked to you in a
1: while. What's what's going on? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, it's a busy time of year for us, and I know for a lot of people in the financial industry, it can be a busy time. But things are good. Obviously, some some market volatility for some obvious reasons and some not so obvious reasons over the last you know since we've spoken last. But overall, I have nothing to complain about. So doing
0: well, Miss Shannon. It's it's tax season. Have we uh, have we been getting a lot of Have you guys been getting a lot of questions, um, tax related questions lately?
2: Well, sure. Yeah, that's that comes with the territory for sure. Uh, you know, our clients will get 1099s or uh, K, what are they? K9s for for A1. their K1s for their investments. And uh, so they'll often call and, and try to understand why they're they're being taxed on some of their investments, um, you know, that and then they may be looking for ways to reduce their taxes by making IRA contributions or something of that sort. Um, yeah. But obviously, be fair, obviously be, we want to be planning for next year right now and not mm-hmm. and not uh, backtracking here. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh,
1: to be fair, though, to Janet, some clients might be getting canines like if they've got a new pet. I mean, well, what do we know? Oh, wait, I, very... think,
2: I think canines are actually when you own a business. Isn't that what that, that's a
1: password? Uh, okay. There's okay. a
2: form, I believe, a canine form. The maybe, not. Maybe, it is, maybe it is the dog.
1: No, that's fair. I'll, I'll give it to you. You would know more than I would in this world for sure. So anyway, <laughs> Which, yeah, so that's where that's where we've been.
0: That's where you have been, Jared. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I was enjoying enjoying that dad joke thoroughly right there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it came to mind, so I had to fire it away its ak is there
2: is a K. What is it? What is a K? Oh, it's a W nine and a K one.
1: You're right. Yeah, K one's oh, a partnership. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, I at okay. least knew that. This is so. Yeah. So based so on see, that, I, I proves think proves that we are not <laughs> Yeah. So that leads into our disclaimer here. Um, so obviously we're going to be talking a little bit about taxes today and, and specifically taxes as it relates to investments and investment accounts. Um, now, obviously upfront, you know, we're, we're investment advisors. We're not CPAs. We're not tax professionals. So upfront, this is not designed to you know, be tax advice. I would not make decisions about your taxes based on this podcast, what we're trying to accomplish here is just give you a little bit of insight for those that don't already have it on, um, you know, how taxes might impact your investment selection, your portfolio construction, so that as you kind of go through the path is, uh, you know, if you are doing yourself, as you're trying to keep it as simple as possible, uh, taxes play a role in that. And so trying to help you make better educated decisions as it relates to your investments, but certainly, um, we always recommend working with a cpa and a tax professional to make sure that you know taxes are like a fingerprint they're unique to right. everybody um, and small details can make big changes um, as it relates to like the, the ultimate bill that you owe to uncle sam so um, right. always make sure that you're you're doing your due diligence and not making decisions lightly because uh, you know it's different for everybody so this is you know supposed to be generic but hopefully it's valuable and hopefully gives you a better understanding than you had before you listened
0: So Adam, how should we approach thinking about taxes? And uh, how do we approach each of the types of taxes that are involved?
1: Sure. Um, So I I think it's helpful to kind of take a step back before we kind of dive into the actual taxes and just understand kind of, you know, we talk about investments and obviously they grow. Well, that's what the IRS is after. They want to make sure that any growth that we see from investment um, gets taxed, right? It's, It's a type of earnings, just like your income is. So Uncle Sam wants their cut, um, and there's there's two main ways that investments grow. One is capital appreciation, and and all that really means is an increase in the market value or the price of an investment, right? So you pay ten bucks for something, you sell it for fifteen bucks. That five dollars is what we call capital appreciation. Now a lot of investments also have earnings associated with them or an income stream associated with them. Uh, We would call that income, right? So that can be dividends from a stock, which is as a shareholder, that's your portion of the profits um, or the earnings of that position, that company that could be interest uh, from a bond. So there's lots of different ways that income is produced with investments, but those are the two main ways, either an increase in the price of the investment um, that gets sold or the Income stream or earnings associated with that investment that gets paid out over time. Um, so just keep that in mind as we kind of talk about the types of taxes because those are, you know, that's how um, the IRS kind of looks at it and, and different tax rates apply based on the type of, of growth that we're talking about. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Does it make sense to you, Janet?
2: Yes, it does.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, maybe the two types of taxes that we're talking about um, when we invest. So for now, I guess we're going to focus on non-qualified, also known as taxable accounts. One of the types of taxes here are capital gains tax. Ms. Janet, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Take her away.
2: Sure. Sure. So let's say you have uh, an investment in a taxable account. That means that's you're investing money that you've already paid taxes on. So if you want to take something out of that, maybe you need to sell some stock or a mutual fund or or a bond out of that investment to raise cash, to take some money out of that, then you're gonna pay taxes on the uh, appreciated amount. That means we're gonna look at the cost basis of that and anything over the cost basis, you're gonna pay uh, a capital gains tax. Um, it's important that uh, you know that there's a short-term capital gains tax as well as a long-term capital gains tax. So, anything invested uh, less than one year will have a short-term tax uh, capital gains tax, which is basically going to be taxed at your income tax rate, I believe. Right, Adam? And then uh, that's correct. Then the long-term capital gains is taxed at a reduced rate, generally 15% for more, most people. It can be as high as 20% for uh, very high-income uh, individuals. So the, the long-term is a much more palatable uh, tax uh, payment than, than your regular tax rate you know, you are not paying taxes on the growth of that while it's there. But once you start taking that income or take money out of that account, then you're going to pay it at your uh, income tax rate. So that's the the two basic differences between those two accounts and how that works, the appreciation works.
1: Yeah, I would agree completely. and And I think you know, the main thing I want to drive home for, for people listening is understanding how important that holding period is, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about short-term gains and long-term gains. You know, if we're looking at, you know, I think where this would probably most commonly apply to a do-it-yourselfer is probably when we look at rebalancing, right? So mm-hmm. um, at the very least, you should be looking at your portfolio once a year to rebalance. So you can monitor it more closely than that. But I think for for most do-it-yourselfers, once a year is... It's sufficient, but that's certainly, the the at the very least, you should be checking it that often. But let's say you, you rebalanced you know in 2022 on you know, January 10th. Well, at the very least, we want to make sure that the next year you do it on January 11th, right? You mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're rebalancing at least 366 days after you last did it. Let's say you have a $10,000 gain, right? Well, um, if, if you sell a day early, right, because you're just trying to get it done, that could be the difference in, you know, Five hundred thousand uh, yeah. dollars, when we depending on what your income tax rate is, um, you know, remaining in the portfolio and continuing to grow as opposed to you know being taxed. So that's a really really big difference, and we talk all the time about um, compound interest and how important that is. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I know it might not sound like a lot, 15% versus you know, 20, 25, 30 percent, but it adds up over time. So sure. just be really aware anytime you're making changes to your portfolio, anytime you're selling anything, particularly in a taxable account, that you're aware of how long you've held that investment and and what mm-hmm. impact that's gonna have. Um, you know, there's also so we talked about capital gains tax. There's also dividend tax as well as interest tax. So mm-hmm. dividend tax is is important because there's kind of two two classifications for dividends, right? There's qualified dividends and non-qualified dividends. Qualified dividends are dividends that are paid most of the time by companies that are domiciled in the U.S., right? So a company that has its main headquarters that is registered on U.S. exchanges and is is a U.S.-based company, um, most of the time, because those companies have already paid taxes on the profits, the government's gonna give a, a, you know, it's not gonna be free, but they're gonna give a little bit of a break to shareholders. So for most people, you're gonna get a cut on on the tax rates that are that you're gonna pay on those dividends, usually capped at about 20%, can be lower for for lower income earners. Um, but that's typically lower than your your ordinary income tax rate. So certainly qualified dividends are preferable. But um, for, any qual- uh, for any diversified investor, you're also going to have foreign investments and investments in, in stocks, as you should, that are invested in non-U.S. domiciled companies. And so those are going to be unqualified dividends. And in the mass uh, uh, majority of those circumstances, you're going to pay ordinary income tax uh, on non-qualified dividends. So again, I would still stress that the, the overall behavior of the portfolio and the diversification level that is appropriate is Prioritized, so you shouldn't um, be less diversified in order to kind of aim for more qualified dividends. That is not the priority, but it's important to understand the impact that diversification can have when it comes to tax time. Um, and then lastly, we're we're going to look at interest tax, right? So that's taxes that are paid on usually coupon payments from bonds. So. Um, for a lot of investors, very few investors really are 100% equity. Uh, for most investors, you're going to have some mix of equity, which is stocks and then bonds as well. And those bonds have coupon rates associated with them, an income stream that is paid out in predictable ways. In the vast majority of circumstances, those coupon payments are also going to be assessed as ordinary income tax rates. And we'll talk a little bit later about you know, what are some strategies that we can employ Um, in order to kind of reduce some of these tax tax liabilities. But for now, we're just defining them. So we have capital gains tax. That's the tax you pay on any growth when you sell an investment. Dividend tax and interest tax. Those are the income taxes uh, paid associated with kind of the the earnings associated with those holdings that we talked about earlier. So, um, you know, want to make sure that you have a good understanding of these anytime you're starting to trade in a brokerage account. Now, Janet, do you want to walk us through a little bit just about the concept of tax losses? Because obviously most folks want to be aware of anytime they're going to owe money, but not every investment makes money all the time. So why don't you walk us through a little bit about kind of how losses play into the overall picture?
2: If you're investing, especially if you haven't picked the winning stock and and you're uh, diversified a little bit, you're going to have losses along the way, right? So that is an opportunity that you could sell at a loss, and then you actually uh, can take that off of your income tax. So that would be a deduction. I think there's a limit on that. So if it's more than that annual limit, though, you can st- Uh, spread that out to the future as well. But also you can use that to offset gains. So say you need to rebalance or you need to raise cash in your your, uh, taxable account, then you can um, offset any gains from selling a particular holding with another holding that has a loss uh, as well. And then that's an opportunity for you to reinvest uh, that into a different investment that might be more uh lucrative in the future right so
1: yeah and and i i would say that the the big thing here to kind of focus on is you know make sure you're not tempted <laughs> to tell yourself that you're quote you know realizing losses when really you're just abandoning mm-hmm. an asset because it's it's underperforming right. your expectations right. every investment over certain windows is going to drop. And that's just the fact of the matter. So, um, it's, it's important to understand. And and of course there are times where it is reasonable and logical and beneficial to sell something that carries a loss, but make sure if you're doing it, you're doing it for the right reasons. And I would argue, make sure you're doing it with, you know, a a professional that knows exactly Mm -hmm. what they're doing. Um, as opposed to, Oh yeah, I want to, you know, harvest these losses to offset some things when really it's just, you don't like the investment because it's losing, right? We don't want to, we don't want to sell at the wrong time. We we always want to be, um, you know, trying to sell high and buy low. That's, that's, it's a very simple, simple proxim for a a reason. So um, I'd say that's the thing to watch for. for. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So,
2: and you know, paying taxes necessarily isn't a bad thing. If you're paying taxes on your investments, then they're doing well but there are ways to avoid paying taxes occasionally but not always i mean the government's going to get their cut for sure
1: yeah i'm going to hit on that again just for the people in the back because this is something that we battle regularly Mm -hmm. um and it's it can't be said enough right i mean of course we want to be efficient and we don't want Mm -hmm. to we don't want to increase the tax liability when it could have otherwise been a lower number. But there is no world in which taxes are zero. And if your right. taxes are always zero, that's that's a bigger problem, right? Right. These is this is these are gains taxes, these are income taxes. Mm-hmm. If your investments are doing what they're supposed to do, you will owe taxes. Now, I will also say you can put off taxes, right? You can always put off realizing gains,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but all you're doing is for stalling an even larger liability in the future. Right. Right. Markets go up more than they go down. So if, if you hold it long enough, that bill is just going to be larger later. So just kind of understanding that and (laughs) and getting comfortable with the idea that, Hey, I'm going to have to pay taxes eventually. Now we want to make sure they're long term, and we want to make sure that we're not placing, you know, really high Mm -hmm. dividend positions in taxable accounts, which we'll touch on later. But just as a general concept, don't run from taxes. Let the growth pay for itself and then move on with your life. There right. are bigger things to worry about than, you know, right. oh, the government took my money. Well, you know, <laughs> if, unless you're in the position to make that change, which I'm certainly not, you know, energy, yeah. your energy is better spent elsewhere. Right. But, They're
2: going to get it one way or another, for sure. So we absolutely. just, uh, if it's not today, it'll be, you know, in a year or two or, or 20 years down the road, whenever you You need to take some money out of that account. You're gonna have to pay those taxes, those gains taxes. So,
0: Yep. So you said that these concepts apply to taxable accounts. So how is that different in an IRA, Ms. Janet?
2: Okay, so IRAs are are, uh, tax deferred accounts, meaning that uh, you don't pay taxes on it until you take a distribution from the IRA, a traditional IRA, that is. So um, it it can also deduct any contributions you make from your taxes. So so they're kind of a neat way to avoid paying taxes, especially on your investments, uh, because you're not having to pay uh, any taxes on any gains you can buy and sell in and out of your IRA without having any taxable consequences. Uh, Roth IRAs you do have to pay taxes on any uh, contributions you make, but it grows tax-free. So uh, any uh, any again any gains, any distributions won't be taxed. Uh, uh, with your investments in a Roth IRA. And then when you uh, it comes time and you wanna take a distribution from that, you don't pay any taxes. So, so it's a nice uh, alternative to be able to have that in your arsenal when it comes to needing uh, some payments during your retirement years, for sure, because then you've got some that's not gonna be taxed and then you have the option uh, to draw from your IRA as well. Well, when you're 72, you no longer have the option, you're required to start taking those distributions. But all of that to say that these are vehicles for investing that uh that are kind of nice to have alongside your taxable account. So then that way you can make some some tax efficient decisions along the way uh, to help you out. So
1: and i kind of like to use you know when i'm talking with clients one of the the analogies i always use is to kind of try to wrap their heads around you know traditional iras but also roth iras and how they kind of relate so in a taxable account obviously you're you're kind of always paying taxes as you go right um, even on dividends even if you don't mm-hmm. sell anything you're still paying income tax on those dividends then you're selling kind of as you go and when you do sell you're paying those taxes instantly with the IRAs, kind of think about the concept of there being a toll booth, right? And there's a toll booth on the way into the account, and there's a toll booth on the way out of the account. Depending on the type of IRA, you're either going to pay taxes on the way in at the first toll booth, or you're going to pay on the way out in that second toll booth. Now, if you ever find yourself you know, either paying at both toll booths or paying <laughs> at neither toll booth there's your red flag, right? Something, right. you know, you're, you're missing an accounting step somewhere or you're, you're duplicating, um, an accounting step somewhere. Mm. Um, but that's kind of it, right? So it's a little bit more simple with IRAs. Um, and to Janet's point, it's, it's a helpful kind of tool to kind of supplement and augment your overall tax strategy.
0: All right. So Adam, uh, we, I know we I'm sure we've talked about this before, but, um, obviously the IS, the IRS is going to ensure they get their cut. But is there anything we can do as investors to try to minimize how much we're paying?
1: Definitely. So, I mean, the first things first, I would always say, you know, for for most people, especially if you're not very well versed in these things and feel kind of uncomfortable, uh, I would always recommend working with the CPA, all right? So they're going to provide a ton of value when it comes to these things. They're going to make sure that you're, you're taking advantage of all the available tools that you have um, to reduce your liability. So that's kind of step one. Uh, But then, you know, if if you're managing your own investments, there's a couple of different things. And I would stress that this is not, you know, an exhaustive list, okay? This is just kind of the the first for anyone doing this on their own that is beginner to intermediate level. I think these are attainable and achievable kind of tools you can use. The first one that we've already kind of talked about, obviously, IRA contributions, right? So um, specifically, traditional IRA contributions, if you want to reduce your income tax, that's kind of the first and easiest step, right? put some money into an IRA uh, up to 6,000 or 7,000, depending on your age, you'll be able to reduce your income tax by that amount. Uh, now, that becomes much more valuable if that happens to reduce or, or drop you down into a lower tax bracket. So if you're marginally close to a tax bracket either way, um, something to be aware of and, and something to definitely pay attention to. Um, we also have qualified charitable distributions. So um, this is essentially a method by which, if you're if you're taking distributions from your IRA for income, or if you find yourself having to take um, distributions, or if you just see that your your income is a bit high, you are able to donate essentially either shares of of investments um, or cash directly from your IRA to a charitable organization. Uh, and you're you do not owe income tax on that money. So um, this is particularly where we see this most common is with individuals that have required minimum distributions. Um, you know they don't necessarily need the income or at least a portion of it. So they might choose to um, donate a portion of that so they don't have to pay taxes on that money. And then just a couple more here. We'll hit real quick. Um, you want to be sure that you know we call it asset location. That's kind of a fancy sounding phrase. All that means is that if you have a portfolio of you know multiple index funds or multiple investments if you have a taxable and an ira account different investments have different behaviors we've talked about dividends we've talked about capital appreciation Um, something like a real estate fund is going to kick off a pretty regular and a a fairly high dividend Um, that would make more sense to put into an ira right iras as we've already talked about you don't pay any taxes while you are invested in the ira you either already pay taxes on the way in or you're waiting to pay taxes on the way out but in the meantime you can protect yourself from that dividend so being mindful of the different characteristics of different asset classes and different investment types um, you can strategically place those in the right types of accounts try to at least minimize uh, your ongoing tax liability um, lastly i'm going to mention tax loss harvesting this one, I would kind of stress, this is probably best done with the help of an advisor, uh, but this is essentially the idea of strategically selling losses. We talked about losses already. Strategically realizing those losses to offset gains that you might have elsewhere. And then this is, I mean, for everybody, rebalance regularly, right? And this is very simple. We talk about rebalancing a lot, but it, it we probably could talk about it more. That's how important it is in so many different, ways to your investing experience and to your ability to get positive market returns Um, obviously it's going to manage your risk profile it's going to make sure you're not being either too conservative or too aggressive but but also if you're rebalancing regularly it kind of resets your your cost basis right so we talked about realized gains and unrealized gains if you never rebalance that unrealized gain number over time is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger as markets grow. Um, and so making sure that on either an annual or semi-annual uh, or whatever basis you're using, um, doing that on a regular basis is going to keep shaving that, that unrealized gain number down and kind of minimizing the liability that you have floating out there. And growing, so that's all I have. I mean, there are obviously a lot of other things you can do. You can get very exotic with it, um, but for for most investors, I think that's a, a pretty good starting point uh, to make sure if you've checked all those boxes, you're going to have a pretty efficient tax picture. Especially if you're using index funds, they're really tax efficient as they you know as it is. Um, so I hope that's useful for for listeners, and I hope they're able to. know, take advantage of that this year, given that it's tax time and obviously next year as well.
2: Ms.
0: Janet anything intelligent to add on to that?
2: No, I think Adam did a great job summing that up. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking that when he was talking about the rebalancing, I know it's like we talk about that with our clients when they have – a tax bill, looking at a tax bill, at rebalance time, and they don't want to do it. They just kick the can down the road, and it just it gets worse and worse. So, so I agree with that. Let's let's d- get, keep rebalancing, check it at least once a year, and and see if you need to do that. So,
1: agreed. Sounds perfect. Anything else?
2: Nope. Sounds good. I don't good. think so.
1: I don't think so. That's all we had for this week. We're uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys again then.
0: Thank you so much. All right, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Jared. Bye.
0: Bye, guys. Bye. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit AssetBuilder.com. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.